From 1861 to 1865, the United States of America endured one of its bloodiest chapters. And I mean, there are many, but this was a rough one. The Civil War saw the forces of the Northern Union and the Southern Confederacy fighting to define who got to call themselves free. Fundamentally, the South wanted to secede from a country attempting to abolish slavery, claiming it was a state's rights to own people. When President Abraham Lincoln was inaugurated and vowed to do away with slavery on a federal level, a secessionist militia launched an attack on the American military, triggering an all-out war and the creation of a breakaway state. The Confederacy was never recognized as a legitimate successor to the United States, They also did not last long. General Winifred Scott implemented a mass blockade to prevent shipping to and from Confederate ports, cutting off their economy and war mobility. The South persisted for another five years, under the assumption that a Europe contingent on the South's cotton supply would eventually come to their aid. They miscalculated. Europe was just fine, and not about to risk interfering in a domestic matter. The Confederacy surrendered in 1865, beginning a period known as Reconstruction. Reconstruction attempted to provide full legal protections to newly freed Black Americans, as well as restore the South's economy as a form of amnesty, bringing them back into the fold, if you will. However, Lincoln was assassinated by John Wilkes Booth in 1865 allowing the former slave-owning Andrew Johnson to come into power and essentially derail any attempt at reconciliation. History is divided on the outcome of Reconstruction, but realistically, the southern states never truly recovered or received the same financial stability as their northern counterparts, and white supremacy and resentment lingered and metastasized, hampering further civil rights efforts and giving way to Jim Crow laws. Even today, Americans still feel the after-effects of a post-war outcome that left several issues unaddressed and improperly handled. It may surprise international listeners to know that there is still deeply entrenched animosity between the North and South, with biases and prejudices projected on either side of the Mason-Dixon line. Over 3% of the American population, civilians included, were killed during the Civil War, the highest number of American casualties of any conflict. Naturally, the ghosts of the Civil War are often literal, as they are figurative. There are stories of phantom soldiers appearing out of the morning mists over Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. There are also certain legends, often grouped under the umbrella term of Confederate gold, though this is sometimes a bit of a misnomer, as these stories can refer to gold lost by the Union as well. It's easy to lose track of finances and gold when the country is tearing itself apart, and supposedly millions of dollars of this gold is unaccounted for. Myths point to the South stockpiling and hiding the gold in order to finance a future resistance against the North, a story that is remarkably similar to the Nazis' Operation Werewolf conspiracy theory. Tonight, just in time for Halloween, two short stories of Civil War gold, stained with the blood of civil unrest and haunted by those who died trying to protect it. (laughs) 
Charleston, South Carolina, often considered the genesis of the Civil War. It is, after all, the location of Fort Sumter, whose capture by secessionist forces kicked off the conflict in earnest. But the capital city calls home to a lesser-known location, with an equally dark past, the ironically named Folly Island. It sits across the harbor now, but Folly Island was once the residence of the Bohicket tribe of Indian Americans. The Bohickets were killed off due to disease and genocide by white settlers in the 1600s, but other accounts say that this tribe just sort of vanished mysteriously overnight, echoing the fate of nearby Roanoke Colony. The famous, and famously evil, Blackbeard the Pirate then used the island as a hideout in the 1700s. At this time, the 18 square miles of barrier land was called Folly Island, not because of the turn meaning witless joy, but because of an old English word meaning covered in dense foliage. After the 1700s, it was known as Coffin Island. Accounts differ as to the origin of this namesake. Stories say that during the early days of colonialism, the sick and dying were abandoned on the island, as it was cheaper and safer than trying to quarantine them in Charleston Harbor. Another tale says that a shipwreck in the early 1700s led to a mass of bodies washing up on its white, sandy shores. However, a more nuanced account says that it was called as such not because of its already sinister reputation, but because it was owned by a family with the surname Coffin. Still, with a name like that, the solitary isle was bound to attract disaster, and in 1832, it did. A vessel called the Amelia, en route from New York City to New Orleans, went aground near the shores, and its castaways took shelter on Folly slash Coffin Island. There, they waited to be rescued, but that rescue never came. 120 passengers aboard the ship had been stricken with cholera, and so the nearby city of Charleston refused to stage an intervention, leaving the doomed passengers of the Amelia to their fates. By the time the Civil War did actually roll around, Folly Island was already steeped in darkness, and seemed to have a very American horror story habit of attracting even more deaths. All around Folly were strategic theaters of war, including Morris Island, and the injured and dying were brought over to a hospital built inland. With the dead too numerous to properly bury, many were left in unmarked graves on Folly Island. But a few of the injured Union soldiers on the island managed to survive the war. A soldier named Francis M. Moore kept a journal of his time on the island, and in it he recorded an unusual story. Shortly before the battle for Charleston, a soldier named Yoakum was tasked with shepherding the black population of Morris Island to the safer Port Royal. While organizing this mass migration, Yoakum met an old woman who had lived there all her life, and had retained some of the stories from Carolina's early days of piracy. She told the young soldier that, buried on the island, were six treasure chests, protected by an arcane security method. When the pirate crew had dug up a sizable hole and placed the six chests in the center of this pit, their leader had chosen a crew member and ran him through with a sword, letting the body bleed out over the treasure chests. This was done, the old woman said, so that his vengeful ghost would forever curse the ground and keep anybody else from recovering the loot. The old woman told Yoakum that it was known among the community where the chests were buried, but nobody dared go near the site, for fear of the pirate's ghost. 
Yoakum informed his lieutenant, a man named Hatcher, who decided that, with the population safely moved and with an impending attack on the horizon, now was as good a time as any to get their hands on some free gold. At midnight, the two soldiers snuck out of their camp a pair of shovels each, and led by lantern, they made their way to the treasure site. As soon as they struck the ground, the wind began to pick up, but the soldiers paid this sudden change no mind as they continued to dig. Lightning, absent of thunder, soon followed. The soldiers continued uninhibited, until a flash of lightning illuminated the ghostly skeletal figure of a man dressed in old mariner's clothing. Surrounded by spectral fire, the ghost drew closer to the frightened men, who dropped their shovels and ran screaming into the forest. Even if they were foolish enough to return for the treasure, the next day Morris Island was caught in the grip of battle. Though there hasn't been any buried treasure discovered on either Folly or Morris Islands, in 1987, a construction site did unearth something unusual but it was a much more grisly discovery than lost gold. The bodies of 14 skeletons in Union garb. Now, stumbling across graves like these was not exactly uncommon on an island that hosted a Civil War hospital. But what was strange, and very disconcerting, was the state of the bodies. All but two were missing their heads. Investigators found no signs of battle wounds or injuries, which presented them with a grim conclusion. Someone, or something, had decapitated these men. Elsewhere in Illinois, the ruins of an old mansion crumble within an overgrown forest. The Sweeten Mansion, or Hartwell Ranch House, was built almost 20 years before the onset of the Civil War. It had been constructed by an Englishman, Azaria Sweeten, at the time of its construction, the Sweeten Mansion was state-of-the-art, sporting among such luxuries, a ballroom. But most unusual was the fact that the house had been built over a stream contained in the basement, supposedly to supply water and to keep the house cool during the summer months. It is worth noting that there are a few cultures that tie spiritual activity to water, specifically running water. The Sweetens would not move into the mansion until 14 years after its construction, and we're not quite sure why. But the Sweetens supported the Union and were happy to host soldiers from the neighboring towns. During an Independence Day celebration in 1862, the house opened its doors for two local farmhands who had just enlisted in the army, gentlemen named Isham and Henson. Perhaps it was due to excessive drinking or some other energy at work. But a fight broke out between the two men, and, due to a misunderstanding, Isham stabbed Henson in the back. As he lay bleeding out in front of the third-floor hearth, his body created an outline on the floor. And even after the unfortunate man had long been buried, that stain remained, no matter how many attempts were made to remove it. Ever since, Henson's ghost has been said to roam the abandoned property. Azaria Sweeten had become very wealthy due to his cattle business, but after he was thrown from a horse in 1871, he was never the same. Even before this incident, the Sweeten patriarch's mental health was already in decline, perhaps due to the trauma and scandal of what had unfolded at his house during the early years of the war. He began sneaking outside in the middle of the night to bury jars full of gold, as Sweeten was deeply mistrustful of the bank. Unfortunately, Azaria could not recall where he stored his money after his fall, 
and try as they might, his family never found it. Today, the place lays abandoned in ruins in the middle of the forest, attracting treasure hunters who are brave enough to go looking for gold haunted by a murdered soldier. This story goes that Abraham Lincoln ordered 26 bars of gold, $33 million in today's money, moved to the Philadelphia Mint in order to fund his soldiers' payrolls. Eight soldiers were tasked with guarding the gold, which was hidden in the false bottom of a hay wagon. While on the way to their destination, one of the young soldiers fell ill, and in the midst of a seizure brought on by his fever, revealed the contents of the wagon to the wrong people. Or so he claimed, anyway. The soldier was discovered days later, wandering in a fugue state outside the Pennsylvania town of Lock Haven. When interrogated, the soldiers told his captors that his seven compatriots had been overtaken by opportunists. He was unable to confirm whether they were Union, Confederate, or just desperate men during a time of war. Wherever the truth lie, the man died not long after and an investigation into the disappearance of the missing gold turned up only the bodies of the seven other men sent to guard it. Ever since, the missing gold has become something of a town legend in nearby Dents Run, Pennsylvania, and for many years, treasure hunters have been attempting to track it down. In 2012, a possible location was uncovered, and just last year, the FBI, with the help of these treasure hunters, traveled to a cordoned off-site in the forest. Officially, the FBI says they launched the court-authorized excavation of what evidence suggested may have been a cultural heritage site. The treasure hunters were barred from assisting them, however, and in any case, the FBI reported that they didn't find anything of note. But the folks of Dents Run and the team of treasure hunters strongly disagree and suspect the FBI of alternative motives. They insinuate that the FBI did find the gold, and, since they represent the continuity of government under the president who had ordered the gold's transportation, have taken custody of the treasure. A Freedom of Information request was filed in order to disclose what the FBI found at the excavation site, and an appeals court ordered Pennsylvania state officials to hand over their communications. The results of these efforts, and the investigation into the gold, is ongoing. <laughs> 